Boom, put boom, boom, side, B side, what side are you on? Welcome back. Hello, hello, hello. We missed you. It's another episode of A side, B side podcast. What's up, Adam? Uh, too much, Brooke. How are you doing? Aside from a sinus infection, it is a sinus infection. It is not COVID. I am good. It is, it is kind of like we all feel like we're Arnold Schwarzenegger in Kindergarten Cop. Anytime, like, you know, it's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's like anybody sneezes or sniffles or like, uh, in, in, in public, everyone looks at him and you got to be like, it's not COVID. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I promise. Like, I was on the radio this morning and I like started coughing in the middle and I was like, I promise you, it's not COVID. I've even, I finally found a doctor locally and went in for a checkup and checked my lungs and my breathing is good. I know it's not COVID. Okay. Right. <laughs> but everybody's, everybody's understandably a little bit on edge dealing with yes. this thing for a couple of years. So. I know. I know. I can't I, believe we're on year two or uh, year 200. It should be. Well, I mean, we're almost into year three. I know. I mean, because the, the the first shutdown up here in uh, at least in Minnesota was March seventeenth. So yeah, we're about St. Patty's Day. We're about a month away from that. So fingers crossed. Maybe maybe heading, third year's the charm. Heading into season five. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Wish it was a Netflix show because it would only get two seasons. Yeah. Seriously. Um. Speaking of Netflix and season season two. Mm-hmm. Um. So as of when this podcast is out, uh, second season of Love is Blind is going to be out on Netflix. Oh, yeah, it comes out. I, and I was a little thrown off because they, at first when they talked about a second season, it's, they just brought everybody back to the first season and did like a like a recap. Yeah. yeah. But now this is a whole new cast, right? A whole new cast. There's 20, no, 30 people. Uh, they initially start with 30 people. Of course, you know, we're not going to really see all 30. You see them, you know, like a half a second for some of them and they get their, yeah. you know, five seconds of fame. But um, it looks like we do get some couples paired up uh, from the the trailers. Of course, you know, they don't want to show you too much, but right. it does look like we get some some pairings and some drama. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. The drama from the first one was already so high. That feels like the first couple seasons of Real World where everything else is just going to be trying to top that, but it was so unique the first time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to get Jessica Barnett-level drama this season. So, but I'm still yeah. going to watch it. I, still I would, I'm a little surprised that, that she didn't get it, like Jessica didn't figure out a way to get back in the show. I'm surprised she didn't get her own Netflix show. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's sure seemed like that's was her whole goal was to you know become a star through that and she was she was gonna find a match with somebody because that meant she had to stay on the show yeah yeah weird oh so that's that's uh that's coming up i can't wait to to jump into that i know i will have all of the episodes binged immediately (laughs) i'm I'm trying to pace myself on some of the binging i'm very excited that there are We've got some new stuff out. I've watched uh, the new season of Resident Alien is out. If uh, you've never checked that out, it's the Alan Tudyk sci-fi one where an alien crushes the earth and then uh, pretends to be a doctor in a small uh, Colorado town. Uh, It's very funny, very kind of over the top. It's like if Northern Exposure met E.T. and Paul all kind of thrown into one. Uh, But really excited that's back. And then 
uh, watch the, the, some of the new Reacher series on Amazon Prime, which we're going to talk about. In a little How bit. about like amazing that it was only out for like four days and they already renewed it. But you're probably oh, yeah. going to talk about that anyway. But. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very I'm very much excited about it. I think it's it's very well done, but I don't want to ruin the whole A side because that's what I'm going to talk about there. Um, the uh, Next Level Chef, the cooking competition from Gordon Ramsay, the new one. Uh, that is like the number one new show on TV, according to the advertisements. Uh, I've enjoyed it a lot. Interesting where you've got three different kitchens and like you could be in the top kitchen, which is like state of the art. Middle kitchen is like just a regular, like decent restaurant. And then the basement kitchen is like literally just a basement with no blenders and some like busted knives and they all got to make the food. It's it's very an interesting, uh, an interesting ex- experience. I was hoping to be able to talk today about the movie that came out this last weekend that is the biggest bust of 2022 or the biggest bust of like the last few years uh but moonfall oh yes i know know some people that saw and they were like it was so bad it was good yeah that's that's why like it got it had such a horrible review it had such a bad first weekend where it made like $10 $10 million worldwide and it was, it cost $150 million and it barely beats uh, Spider-Man um, No Way Home. Uh, I think Spider-Man No Way Home had like 9 million eight. So it only beat up by wow. 200,000 and it's like eighth week. Wow. And like five times as many theaters. So I was all super excited to go. And in fact, was looking uh, up movie times on Monday and found out that here in the Twin Cities, at least, at the Rosedale uh, AMC, the idea of people getting a little bit more intense and crazy over the last couple of years, I think we've seen it with, like, it feels like there are more car road rage issues and, and people getting in fisticuffs in the store, whether it's like, over masks. or There was just one that I saw on, on Twitter the other day. Some guy wouldn't wear his mask and then went outside and got a brick and, like, threw a brick and broke the door window and the window door of the, of the of the place just seems like people are kind of on edge mm-hmm. and evidently uh, and it was not well reported in the media but somebody at the amc on sunday completely lost their stuff punched an employee and left, jumped over the counter and trashed the entire like all the computers in the like foods uh, the snack food area and like they had to they were shut down for like a day and a half Oh my gosh. Because of, of one person losing their stuff. So just be careful out there, folks. People are, I, I don't know if it's weather, if it's the you know pandemic, but it sure seems like people are like, a lot of people are on a knife's, you know, a razor's edge or on their last nerve or something. So everybody just take a deep breath because I was, I was really sad to hear that an entire place gets shut down because somebody loses it that much like yeah. they you went onto the website the amc website was like sorry temporarily closed they had it like cordoned off my amc like the app wouldn't let me buy any tickets for like a, like two days so wow uh, just really over the top stuff so i was hoping to be able to tell a story about this really crazy movie i saw this weekend that no one should have to go to because it's not gonna last very long in the theaters uh but then the theater got shut down so everybody Dang. just take a deep breath yeah yeah that's crazy Oh, and like it man. wasn't even like reported in the local news. Like I had to, 
have a friend who works at the mall and then they did some digging and it was like we found tweets about it happening but like there's so much going on in minnesota right now that no one even was like oh we should report on the fact that a guy lost it and destroyed or messed up a movie theater so badly it had to shut down for a day and a half yeah your city has got way too much going on yeah it doesn't seem like we we ever know when to stop so Understandably, a movie theater did not factor into the the big uh, big stories of the day around here. So, Minnesota still doing its thing. Oh, all right. Um, I was going to ask you a question about something, and I forgot. Oh, 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 oh! Are you excited about the new Oscar Isaac Disney series? The 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 Moon Knight one? Yes, I am. I'm I'm a little. It'll be interesting to see where they go with it because the I, and I don't know if we talked about this last week or I was talking with somebody else about it, but the idea that, that originally the, the main entry point was the mercenary character, and then you had the split off identities of like the bookish guy who works in the bookstore and like the cab driver were like the secondary identities, but in the book you're always following like the main like mercenary character is like that's how you kind of got to know Mark mm-hmm. Spector. Uh, and if it looks like from this one, at least from the trailers, the character that we're going to learn the story from is, is one of those other ones. And it's not like the mercenary character. It's kind of that character who also doesn't have any idea what's going on. So that can work really well as a way to, because you're both explaining the story to the main character in that sort of leap Neo goes into the matrix moment where like, right. he's learning it at the same time the audience is. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that might be needed because of the, the la- layers of religion and mysticism that come along with it. But uh I'm excited. Other than the fact that his accent is just really weird and distracting as that character, at least in the in the previews, it's just a very strange voice that he's using. So <laughs> I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it's just sort of you know one of those things that you catch from a trailer that seems off, but when you're watching it, it's it's not nearly as distracting. But yeah, I'm very much excited about that. Um, with the new, I finished up Book of Boba Fett this week. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's very much Star Wars fun. Uh, there are the problem with Star Wars and Star Trek or any any intellectual property at this point is no matter what you do, there are going to be people that complain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to just get to the point where I just wanted, I just enjoyed it, and I didn't overthink it. And so like, oh, does this fit canon or the other things? Because if you want to like break it down academically and try to do, you look at the you know all of the references and whatnot, you could drive yourself crazy. But you know, I just enjoyed. The series it, it had its ups and downs but i'm excited about that and then obi-wan is coming out in may and then we'll you know so we're, we've kind of got the disney's doing sort of like as they have for the last year it's kind of like alternating star wars and marvel content on disney plus and in the big screen so that makes sense to me so i can just kind of bounce from one to the other i thought i saw another thing and it may have been a, the book of boba fett but I thought that Disney sent me a recent update about something coming up that had to do with Star Wars. Yeah, there's a there's a new Obi Wan series coming out in May. Oh, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. And then there's the the, the Andor series is coming uh, with with um, uh, from Rogue One. Uh, Cassie and Andor was. I'm trying to think of the. Uh, Paz Luna was it Paz Luna? No. Who was the who played the character? 
you are speaking Greek to Diego, me. Diego Luna. I don't know why pause Luna. Diego Luna. Uh, who's that series has already been mentioned is is potentially having two seasons as well. So it's it's just I think the people who complained, we just need to remind ourselves that we had we were begging for content for years and we have so much of it now that we are very, very lucky. Yes. Absolutely. Even though I'm not a Star Wars person, I know it makes the Star Wars people very happy. Yes. And <laughs> that's good because then we, we have to find new things to complain about. <laughs> All right. So this is last week we had to take a kind of a, a break. It was just kind of unexpected. There was just a lot of things happening. Um, some things a lot of things happening so we all good things though all, of, yeah all good very good things all yeah, very good yeah. things um yeah. so we, we didn't have, have a fight or anything it wasn't no. like we, it wasn't like we had a fight and we didn't talk to each other for like two weeks we are not florida georgia line we are not no. breaking up no there's no yoko there's no separate projects in the works <laughs> separate podcast projects okay there we go there's always something at the worst, but it's all good stuff and it's excited to be back but that means it's episode 80 right <laughs> yes that means you go you get to go and first so i get to go first. and as we kind of hinted at uh in the opening there we talked a little bit there have been a, a lot of things going on in life lately whether it is the pandemic on a worldwide scale or continued uh issues here in Minneapolis St. Paul area with policing and uh, wrongful death and court cases and just a lot of reality happening and we've also gone through uh, the last two weeks we at a, I work at a restaurant suddenly we had to check everyone's vaccines which was new for this area and then now today three weeks later they've decided not to do that so it feels like reality is constantly just got a lot of stress going on so I've been very pleased to have some escapism lately whether it was the book of boba fett or you know just diving into a cooking show or i've been waiting for i feel like three four months before since i first saw the first preview for the brand new amazon prime series reacher Mm -hmm. it's based on the jack reacher character who most people may know either from the books by lee child which came out you know starting in the late 90s uh first one i think came out in like 1997 1998 and i've been running for years and years but probably from a global mind scale most people would hear the, the name reacher and think of the two tom cruise movies for 2012's just honestly titled jack reacher and 2016's jack reacher never go back which I enjoy both movies. And in fact, without those movies, I had never read the books before. So they got me into reading the books, which is that wonderful sort of just sometimes it's, you know, chicken or egg. Like sometimes you read the book and that makes you want to watch the show. Mm -hmm. But I think so there are so many new shows. And one of my favorite things from last year is Shadow and Bone, which was the Netflix series, which then was a series I had not heard of at all, but got me interested. And then I read and read the books now. So it's kind of fun when it goes backwards. And the same thing happened with Reacher, where I've read a couple Jack Reacher books. And I enjoy the books, but it always felt like two different worlds. And not just like when you look into a mirror, it's kind of, it's a reflection. So it's not going to be a perfect, you know, it's, you know, perfect facility. It's going to be a little bit off. Mm-hmm. This was the same story, but almost played in two completely different keys. The two Jack Reacher movies from the early two or 2010s, uh, 
feel like Tom Cruise movies. You could almost feel like it's Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible's Ethan Hunt character that he's just playing a slightly bit different. It was not the far departure that you would think of because it's a Tom Cruise movie. And when he's a movie star, movie stars first play themselves and then the character that they inhabit. Uh, I've really enjoyed the the first two Jack Reacher movies. In fact, Never Go Back uh, is on my comfort playlist um, from 2016. Tom Cruise and he, his character is investigating uh, his old unit and Colby Smothers is also in it. And we know, I absolutely uh, think that she should be a bigger star. And they also go to New Orleans. And so you got a bunch of my favorite things all together. So it's a comfort movie for me, but it never really felt like anything more than a Tom Cruise movie. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of what Hollywood does. They like to cast stars. And so you look at a a similar character, Jack Ryan from the Tom Clancy series. They have run around from the very beginning, even with all these successful movies and big hits, they've had tons and tons of big names try to play it. I mean, Tom Tom Clancy's Jack, Jack Ryan has been played by Alec Baldwin, Harrison Ford, Ben Affleck, Chris Pine, and then most recently, John Krasinski, in the Amazon Prime series of yes. the same name. Uh-huh. And I read all of the, the the Jack Ryan books as a kid. Even, even ones that I should not have been reading probably for the age I was. I read them all after I watched Hunt for Red October. So oh, I was okay. reading so like- Mama Weingarten, you, heard, you hear this, correct? Oh yeah, no, no. She, Mom read them too. That's how I was able, she would read them and then I would read them after after her so uh definitely you were were stealing them from her oh yeah i i was a voracious reader as a kid and i've something that is i've tried to get back into over the the years like 10 years ago i my goal was to read 100 books in a year and so Mm -hmm. i had to read two a week and i did that and then last week i think i read like two or last year i think i read two books so it ebbs and flows but i love the fact that the new jack ryan series doesn't try to condense everything one of the challenges of these big books and these spy thrillers and like mysteries is that you try to take all this knowledge from you know 700 pages of writing and then put it into a 90 minute movie stuff's gonna get cut and it's gonna feel squished and like one of the most frustrating things about the last harrison ford jack ryan movie clear and present danger is that it ends like two-thirds of the way through the book (laughs) they were well we can't fit it all in so we're just gonna end here and you're like okay but that's not the whole thing uh and that that one had so many reshoots and that's Harrison Ford was basically like I'm I'm not playing this character ever again because of that movie went in so many different directions uh but with a series the Jack Ryan series starring John Krasinski was able to flesh out the character more they get able to take their time like a book you're able to wade into the story without feeling rushed and it was such a good fit for the Jack Ryan series that I'm glad it's happening for Jack Reacher because Hollywood has found a format and a representation that that fits a lot better. And one of the cool things about the Reacher series is that it's often, whereas one of the challenges of the Jack Ryan books or any spy novels is sometimes they're just, they're flying all over the world and they're you know bouncing here and there and it's just on a global scale and it can be a little bit much to take in if you're in seven different locations a you know hour and a half movie whereas the jack reacher books are a little bit more self-contained they often take place in smaller towns uh you know jack himself is a drifter that 
travels around often by bus and shows up in a town and then something happens. Uh, and that I think that small setting works so much better as a series. And that's what I've really been impressed with with this uh, series so far. And I'm only four episodes in, uh, so I have not I've not made it all the way through. So this is a work in progress. But I was so excited about it, and I had to stop myself. We were just talking about binging. I had to stop myself because I was going to end up watching the whole thing in like one day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nope, I got to stop here. This is a good stopping point because if I don't, I'm going to like burn all the way through it, and then I'm going to be upset. It's over. So I got to like delay gratification, which is not something historically I've been remotely decent at so you know it's also managing my uh my movie watching time tv watching time but also you know working on me and delete gratification yeah uh the new series actually picks up with the very first book which i think is a really nice way to kind of set up a tv series because now you can just kind of chronologically go through the books the two tom cruise movies hunted and pecked through the entire lee child category uh, catalog of jack reacher books and picked the ones that they wanted so there wasn't really a consistent narrative because they were always just going to be one-offs so the format works a lot better but the number one thing that separates the new series reacher from the jack reacher movies is whereas the movies were a tom cruise vehicle the Jack Reacher series is about Jack Reacher. And it is mostly because they finally got someone who embodies, embodies the character physically. Mm-hmm. We all know Tom Cruise is not a big dude. Right. There, you know, whether or not you believe the internet, he's anywhere from like five foot four to five foot nine. Uh, he has had, you know, stories of him having to stand on boxes and scenes. So he's not, you know, shorter, obviously, than his co-stars and that sort of thing. There is no problem uh, with size. In fact, there's probably the opposite problem in size with Alan Rickman, who is the new Jack Reacher. He is six foot two. He is built like an absolute tank and he looks monstrous. And you may have, if you've watched the Titan series on HBO Max or HBO Go, whichever name they're going by right now, he played uh, Hein Call, who was the hawk of the hawk and dove vigilante crew and just an imposing beast of a human that fits with how Reacher is described in the books. I mean, you have a book, you know, an author, Lee Child, who says Reacher is extremely broad, broad, long-armed, long-legged, and has hands that can be described as Thanksgiving turkeys. (laughs) Not exactly when I read that, that I go, oh, Tom Cruise, obviously. That's who we got to put in there. So it's cool to see the character as embodied just physically but also rickman who i kind of recognized him at first i was like okay i've seen him from from titans but then you start looking into the background there's so much more to what he's played that i think gives him a little bit more gravitas for the jack reacher character Mm -hmm. there was a very over-the-top sort of national lampoons meets college football series that i believe was just on netflix back in 2010 and 2011 called blue mountain state and it was this fictional college with a football team and it was you know parties on campus and the seemingly villain at the beginning of the series thad castle uh, was played by Alan Rickman, and he's the, just the muscle-bound stereotype uh, villain who turns into a nice guy, kind of by the end, uh, all-around chaos football stereotype meathead. Uh, and 
turned in like the two seasons of that i think he started out as just like a minor character and by the end he's one of the main characters because of just the stories gravitated to him and how well he could play the character both physically and with a sort of visceral villain comedic role like the jack reacher series is a lot funnier and more deadpan than i was expecting there's a little little lines that that i think if tom cruise had tossed them out would feel differently than when you're looking at this you know hulk of a human uh who's who's tossing them out and i also didn't know that from a fight standpoint he played Raphael in the two most recent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, I remember looking that up because actually I think, and I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, a while ago he was on Will Smith's, I think this is what made me look him up. He was on Will Smith's Instagram because I think they were training together or something like, or they're oh, like really good friends or something. That, that's awesome. Yeah, I know Will Smith was doing his whole like 2021 20, workout thing. So uh, I, Alan Rickman would be a smart person to work out with because he looks like he's a superhero. Uh, the uh, So physically, he completes it a lot better. Also, the comedy is there. The visuals help tell the story. I mean, when he walks into a scene and just towers over everyone, that's how you, when you're reading the book, you would expect it to be. Uh, and so that feels a lot more natural. And allowing the story, the room... To, to kind of grow uh, makes the mystery unfold a lot more interestingly to me as opposed to being done as fast as possible in the movie. Uh, the pacing is well done for each of the episodes. They don't drag. That's why it's so dangerous when you're watching it because you can easily binge three or four and then go, oh, shoot, where did Tuesday go? Uh, you have to be careful. There are a lot of solid performances. Um, you got the rest of sort of Reacher's investigative team. Uh, it is a deputy and a detective from the small town. Willa Fitzgerald plays uh, the deputy, Roscoe Conklin. Malcolm Goodwin is uh, Detective Finley. They're both quite good. I haven't seen them in a lot else, so it's always fun to kind of see people or see new folks, but then it's also cool to see faces that you do know pop up. Uh, there mm-hmm. are a bunch of flashback scenes in the first few episodes because the story revolves around Reacher and his brother and growing up. And then, uh, so they flash back to when they were kids a lot. And one of the actors that plays, or the actor that plays young Reacher in the flashback scenes is the, as Maxwell Jenkins from Lost in Space, which is another show that I have been holding off on binge watching uh, because the third season is out now. And it actually came out in mid-December, but it, it, follows the the lost in space family and the kids who've been growing up filming this show since like Jenkins I think he started out when he was like 10 or 11 mm-hmm. and now he now he's 16 17 18 uh, so it's kind of cool to see them grow up kind of that same thing you saw with the Harry Potter folks but I also don't want it to be over so right. like I know as soon as I start that final season I'm gonna have to just accept that this story ends and I don't, I'm not quite ready for that emotionally. One of the many things we're working on. <laughs> uh, but it was cool to see him pop up. Uh, you've also got uh, two great character actors and two guys that would definitely be candidates for that guy from that show. So Bruce McGill plays a corrupt, or possibly corrupt, and certainly overbearing small town mayor who then at one point fires the police chief and installs himself as mayor, his, himself as chief and mayor. Uh, he's been in just a little bit of everything all the way back to, uh, you know, cop shows in the eighties and nineties, um, Smallville's Christina Crook, I think is how you pr- pronounce her last name. Uh, but she was the love interest, uh, in the 
Smallville series, one of the the Lang uh, wasn't Lois Lane. I think it was Lana Lang, the one who's still in Smallville. Mm -hmm. Uh, She pops up as a wife and mom, which is throws me because I remember her playing a teenager not too long ago uh, and now is in the mom role. And then actor Curie Graham, who is not a name that I think anybody would know, but as soon as he popped up, you're like, oh, that guy. He always plays like lawyers or bad businessmen or bad guys or overbearing dads or like the grumpy uncle. Like you just got that random sort of MBA middle-aged white guy look that <laughs> you need you need in a lot of shows and he p- does a good job playing uh one of the the big businessmen in town who's, who's messing with the story as well so like i said i'm only four episodes in and it's uh been very interesting so far and i'm really enjoying it and i want to keep going but i'm gonna pace myself uh there are lots of twists and turns to come but it is easily the type of show that i recommend if you like binge watching uh and hopefully this will uh also kind of kickstart my goals for reading in in 2022 i've already downloaded the audible book of the version the you know first uh lee child book about jack reacher was the killing fields which is what this season is based off of so i've got it downloaded as an audible audiobook so as soon as i do finish i can you know finish the prime series i can just jump right into the book and be able to compare and contrast the two so that's an exciting feeling as well so i would say if you like uh, Tom Cruise movies. You will very much like his version of Jack Reacher. If you haven't seen them before, they're fun action movies that go, you know, maybe an hour and a half, two hours, self-contained. Uh, there's a lot of good fight scenes. There's some some fun, there's relatable characters. But if you've read the books and you want something closer to the books, or you agree with the, the author, Lee Child, that Jack Reacher has got to be able to scare people, then this new format and characterization starring Alan Rickman on Amazon Prime will be more down your alley. So I highly recommend you check out both the movies and the series if you're into action films or you've always wanted to give Jack Reacher a try. Here are two different ways to experience the same story and you can tell me which you think is the best. Awesome. All right. Sounds like a plan. I really, really want to watch it. Um, There... There are some really good shows on Amazon. Um, and it's like when they really put it, when they put it on, they really do it. Mm-hmm. Well, and everybody is, everybody is fighting for content. I mean, it's even when we were just mentioning like how amazing it is to have all the Star Wars and Marvel content. There's just so much content out right now. It's, I think we've mentioned this before, probably every week. It gets a little over like whelming sometimes, but mm-hmm. what an embarrassment of riches to have all this good stuff to be able to consume, especially when a lot of us aren't leaving the house too often. Yeah, yeah, seriously. I mean, and I feel like HBO Max, because you were like, which one is it? It's Max currently. And yeah. Amazon are a little different in netflix and hulu whereas netflix is like we kind of throw money at everything and see what sticks mm-hmm. whereas like hbo max and amazon are like no it's going to be good if we put it out there like um mr robot and um uh the boys you know those are some like yeah great shows on amazon uh they, the can, they commit yeah they commit the the budget to it early yeah yeah the marvelous mrs mabel mazel uh is another really good one so yeah 
so sometimes it feels like Netflix like sees what sticks and then and then like gives more money to the stuff that's working for like season two. Right. Whereas like Amazon Prime will do crazy stuff like, oh, there's this old Lord of the Rings book that talks about the centuries before, which is basically just all of his notes that his kids then kind of put together. It doesn't have any doesn't have a ton of uh, narrative to it, but it's got a lot of stories. So we'll turn it into a series for like hundreds of billions of dollars. We're like, right. Okay. Yeah, and everybody's like, fine, that works for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. Oh, all right. So is that the A side? That is the A side. Awesome. All right. So this week on the B side, um, we're gonna talk about well, murder, serial killers, because well, I don't do the the good movie stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it's the it's the yin and the yang. It's the the sweet and the sour. It's, I mean, gotta, sometimes have... they're, they're they're made into good movie stuff. Yeah. But... So we we got the uh, we got the escapism from reality, and then we've got where you know detail about reality, <laughs> reality that often feels like fiction. Oh my goodness! All right, so this week we are going to be talking about Patrick Carney, aka. The trash bag killer. Not not killing trash bag. No, I saw this um uh, real fast. It, it made me think of this because the name like the trash bag killer. You're like what? I saw this TikTok and it was like, um, this guy is driving and he pulls over and he picks up like a hitchhiker and they like small talk and and then um the guy's like, wait, you're not a serial killer are you? And he's like, wait, you're not a serial killer too, are you? And he's like, wait, are you the hitchhiker killer? And then he's like, wait, are you the hitchhiker picker upper killer? It was really kind of like playing on these like ridiculous names that these serial killers get. Very over the top. And then of course, if they probably were, they'd be like, well, who's going to kill who? Yeah, exactly. That that's exactly the end of the, the TikTok. They're like, so what happens now? And you know, when, there's two serial killers in a car. So, um, so Patrick Wayne Carney is top tier gross. Like he is top tier gross. Like not only because he's a serial killer, but he's also a zoophile, a pederast, a molester, and a necrophile. I don't even know what like half those words mean. They all sound bad. Yeah, and I kind of Adam wanted to give you like a heads up before we got into it because I know you and you're going to be googling these terms as we're talking about it. Yeah, but I'm gonna be real careful about how I spell these things. Yeah, please do. So Patrick was born September 24th of 1939 in East Los Angeles, and he was the oldest of three boys. His family background was middle class and what would typically be called stable. As a child, Patrick was rather sickly and thin, which kind of led to him being bullied and he was kind of beat up often. And his tormentors would call him queer, despite the fact that he displayed interest in his fellow female classmates. And his team kids are kids are never known for letting the facts get in the way of a good, you know, taunt. It's true. It's true. Uh, you know, if they're, you know, they talk about like adults being bullies. There's no better bullies than kids. Oh, no, middle schoolers especially. Oh my gosh! Well, I think it's John Mulaney, the the comedian, has a line in his uh, special uh, "New in Town," which is an amazing comedy special. And at what point in my life I actually 
forced anyone I was dating to watch it with me to see if we could continue dating, uh, which probably hindsight says a lot of things as well. Uh, but he talks about how the meanest people to be heckled by are like middle school kids because they'll say things that are like mean, but also somehow things that you're already worried about. Right. And yeah, it's his, like, how do they know these mean butts? Yeah, yeah. Like he, his, his lie was that he'll be walking down the street, some middle schooler will be like, there goes that guy with feminine hips. And he's like, stop <laughs> it. That's something I'm already self-conscious about. <laughs> oh. yeah, kids can be rough. And then like, even when they're not being mean, kids will just say stuff, which is just taking an observation. And you're like, ooh, okay. Yeah. You're like, dang, you called that. So in his teens, he became withdrawn and he began having fantasies about killing his enemies. And often he thought about skinning them alive. (laughs) So he also developed sexual fantasies about domination. This led to his first time engaging in bestiality. He was 13 years old and he became intimate with his family dog. This was an urge that would continue through his life pretty much until his arrest. I, I, mm, 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 mm. who, how, why, no, no, no. This, I think this is the first out of 80 episodes. I do not think we have dealt with bestiality yet. I think once, but it was just, it wasn't to this degree. This this stuff. We, we, we've, we've touched on all the ologies and the allergies. Oh, man, point. man. So even though Patrick Wayne Carney was born in East LA, he moved to Texas where he lived for a short little bit before moving back to California following a brief marriage and a divorce. Once back, he would gain employment as an engineer for Hughes Aircraft. So Patrick cultivated a skill. He became really good as a gay pickup artist And it was part of his experiences in like Texas and and early years in California that kind of aided in his proficiency because he also became very fluent in Spanish and he used his interest in Latin American culture to connect with his potential partners, both in San Diego and in Tijuana. Patrick claims to have killed his first victim in 1962, a hitchhiker that he picked up and murdered in Orange, California. Between 1962 and 1967, he would claim several more victims, mostly transients. In 1967, he moves to Redondo Beach with David Hill, who becomes his lover. Of course, just like with most relationships, the beginning was very good. Honeymoon period. Exactly. And if it's not good in the honeymoon period, run. Run far and fast. Or if it's too good in the honeymoon period. Actually, don't take advice. I was wrong, so. uh, we're both single. What are we talking about? We don't know. Um, <laughs> this is the A side, B side. <laughs> not talking about dating podcast. Don't we take our Ange- advice on dating. Yeah, we might be an Angelina Jolie podcast, but you'll never hear us talking about dating or marriages. <laughs> giving advice. Oh, man. So, okay. So, and like I said, in the, in the very beginning, it was good, but Um, When the couple began to argue, apparently um, Patrick would use this as an opportunity to 
kind of go out and cool off on these long drives. You know, he was like, I, I gotta go cool off on the, and he would take a long drive and he would use these long drives, these cool off sessions, these let off steam sessions to murder. He had a Volkswagen Beetle. He also had a truck. So it was during these drives that he would pick up hitchhikers or he would take home men that he found at gay bars. All right, so we discussed Patrick's zoophilia, which we're going to hit the next philia. Well, zoophilia, with the zoo in the beginning, it's animals. So the bestiality part. He's a day animals, yeah. So the next one, the next philia, necrophilia. He was. Isn't about next. No. You know, Tom Petty's got that song and it's like, you, that's, uh, Tom Petty, you're a great artist, but did you really mean to write a song about necrophilia? But anyway. I, I was, I always thought he was talking about a different Mary Jane. Uh-huh. Sure you did. <laughs> I, I just thought it was about drugs, honestly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh. Um, so he was deemed necrophiliac because he was pretty consistent in obtaining sexual gratification by having sex with his deceased victims. He was also pretty consistent in his murder and disposal manner. So Patrick was five, five. How tall are you again, Adam? I'm I'm five, nine on a good day. So I just found out I'm shorter than I thought I was all this time. I thought I was five five all this time, and I went to the doctor yesterday and found out I am five four. So well, you know, as you get older, you do shrink. Oh, yeah. That's why the Smurfs were just really ancient people. I am not in the shrinking stage yet, man. <laughs> I'm just on the shorter side. Um, so Patrick was actually taller than me, but considered short for a man. Oh, yeah. It was short for a woman too, but being on the shorter side, he was and also smaller in build, he preferred victims that were actually bigger than him. But that meant that he actually had to come up with a foolproof system to subdue his victims, you know, because he couldn't risk exposing himself or putting himself in physical risk because then that would completely ruin his plans. He could be overpowered. Right. So he was usually pretty quick when it came to his victims, although Um, He did admit later in life that he had experimented on his victims' bodies out of curiosity. Like one victim, he opened up their stomach. He did it post-mortem, though. He said he did not want to inflict any extra suffering on his victims. Oh, oh, it's it's good of you to have such morals, sir. I mean, yeah, we've, we've all got our lines, I guess. Right. Okay, so we mentioned earlier that he claimed that his first victim was in 1962. That victim's name is not known, but his age was confirmed to be 19. He was a 19-year-old white male. So Patrick convinces this young man to take a ride with him on his motorcycle, and then he takes this young man out to a secluded area outside of Indio, California. Once they get to their location, Patrick shoots the young man in the head, then sexually assaults his body. His remains were discovered and eventually connected to Patrick, but that's down the road. This is not the only murder that occurred in 1962 that Patrick confessed to. He admitted to two more, again, 
just in 1962. The second victim was the younger cousin of the first victim who had seen Patrick and that victim right off on the motorcycle. Just covering his tracks. Uh-huh. The first victim that Patrick was legally responsible for happened around Christmas of 1968. Now, mind you, he said he started killing in 62. That's a long time to get before you get caught. Uh-huh. So this happened in Culver City about a year after he and David began living together because they got together in, in 67. Mm-hmm. So the murder happens inside of his home on Van Buren Avenue. What happened is Patrick lures the victim, whose name is George, into a vehicle, and then he, he takes him home. Once inside, he shoots the victim in the head. He then takes the victim to the bathroom where he sexually assaults him. He then skins him and dismembers him in the bathtub with an exacto knife. Patrick also took the bullet from the victim's skull so the murder could not be traced back to him. Wow. Next, he burns the victim's body behind his garage. Now, I know I said that he was at his house, but uh, David apparently was not home during the time of the murder. Yeah, and like, how do you, I mean, we've all seen enough CSI to know you shoot somebody as soon as you walk in the house, there's going to be some trace evidence left behind. Right. Oh, so the next, it seems that he took like a year off or so because the next murder seemingly happened like a year later, maybe out of fear that he would get caught or probably that they were to inquire about George. But, um, and still that's the only thing we know about this victim is that his name was George. Oh, wow. Um, Patrick's MO grew more refined over time, which allowed him to become much more efficient and he started killing more frequently in 1974 we started in 62 12 years in yes it's estimated that he killed on a monthly basis he picked up victims along the freeway or at gay bars in his volkswagen or in his truck he would typically shoot his victim in the temple with a 22 derringer pistol He would hold the pistol in his right hand while steering with his left. And he was always very cautious to follow the speed limits and he would drive the guidelines because he doesn't want to call attention to himself. Right. Other than driving with a dead body. Right. But who, I mean, unless there's blood splatter, which I can't imagine that there's, I don't know. And it's night and dark. Right. Exactly. So if you see someone slumped against the window at night, you know, two o'clock in the morning or whatever, you might just think they're passed out. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Who who even spends a lot of time looking into other cars anymore? You got so many things going on in your own. Oh, that's a, yeah. Well, so after his murders, Patrick would leave the body slumped upright in the passenger seat and he would drive to a secluded area and he would sexually assault his victims again you're driving at two o'clock in the morning somebody's just gonna think you're passed out yeah or so that's what i said passed out yeah yeah isn't that is not the same thing when you pass out don't you go to sleep yeah but you could also pass out not from tiredness but from drinking or something oh well yeah that's what i meant okay so after having sex with his victims bodies 
Patrick would usually remove the bullet from their skulls and then he would mutilate and dismember them using a hacksaw. So he upgraded from his exacto knife. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it'd be quite the advertisement for exacto if that thing just kept going. Oh, um, he would then put the victim's body parts in trash bags and dispose of them in canyons landfills and freeways and sometimes he would even dump them in the desert where the meat-eating animals would get to them he would sometimes drain the blood to eliminate the odor and he would at times bathe the body parts before disposing them to minimize the presence of dried blood and fingerprint evidence wow clearly spent a lot of time refining this process yeah I guess when you do it enough, you... Oh, um, so there were times when Patrick would beat his victims after their deaths. His younger victims, he would suffocate and then dismember, similar to the older victims. So Patrick has said that beating his dead victims was a cathartic release and a way to suppress anger, and it also gave him a sense of power. Oftentimes... Uh, his victims resembled his childhood bullies, which that's something we tend to see, you know. Yeah. His typical victims were young men that were, uh, there were a few child teen victims, but they were usually like younger 20s. Um, his youngest known victim, though, was five-year-old Ronald Dean Smith. Little Ronald disappeared in Lenox, California on August 24th of 1974. And his remains were discovered in Riverside, California, about 65 miles away on October 12th of 1974. Another young victim was eight-year-old Merle Hondo Chance, who disappeared while riding his bike on April 6th of 1977. It's reported that his ride took him close to Patrick's job. Patrick's claims are that he smothered young Hondo, resulting in his death. Then he took his body home with him overnight, and then he disposed of Hondo's remains in the Angeles National Forest uh, off Angeles Crest Highway, about 11 miles north of Altadena. Hondo's extremely decomposed de- de- uh, remains were discovered on May 26 of 1977. Merle Hondo Chance is Patrick Carney's last known victim. But it wasn't that victim that actually led to his capture. It was his second last known victim. Would you use penultimate in that case? I think you would, yeah. Okay. It was John Otis LeMay. It was John Otis's death. Of course, like I said, that led to his capture. It happened on March 13th of 1977, around 5.30 p.m. on that Sunday. John Otis tells a neighbor that he's going to Redondo Beach to meet a man named Dave that uh, he'd met at the gym. Remember, David Hill is Patrick's lover. He had given John the address to his home that he shared with Patrick. So John arrives to the house, but David's not there. Patrick invites him in to wait for David and watch TV. Wink, wink. Once inside, Patrick shot John in the back of the head. He then dismembers him and disposes of the remains of the desert. 
At the height of his killing spree, Patrick pretty much went unnoticed, except by a local grocery store owner named Jerry Stevens. He noted that Patrick bought butcher knives on multiple occasions after inquiring about their steel quality. Because that's a normal question, right? Yeah, I mean, you don't want to accidentally cut yourself. (laughs) Jerry Stevens described Patrick as a, quote, loner with an eerie sense about him. At work, he was considered um, a, 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 a model worker. I don't know why I started so hard on that. So John Otis's remains were discovered on March 18th of 1977, five days after his death. Police had visited Patrick's residence before Hondo went missing and discovered that John Otis had been seen with both David and Patrick. Patrick quit his job. The couple flees to El Paso. Fortunately, they they went because they had family there. Fortunately, Uh their families in El Paso convinced them to turn themselves in, which they did. Wow. So after the question, after questioning and further investigation, 36 year old David Hill was released and cleared of any involvement in Patrick Kearney's murders. After his arrest, huh? I just, it feels very unlikely that, but okay. I mean, they must not have had evidence. They, they couldn't have. And, yeah. and, and I mean, if he's going, like he leaves and he goes off on these drives, the only thing is if he's bringing people home, like how is there? Right. How is there not something? Like how is the house, the shooting people inside the house not having ever question? And he gave his address to this kid who was the last kid, not the other guy. So. But then, I mean, you hear stories of people that live with, you know, I mean, yeah. look at Ted Bundy. Yeah, it, you, don't, it, you don't know him. You don't know, so... I mean, uh, part of me is like, did you not really? And then I'm like, well, maybe he didn't. I mean, these people, yeah. look at how good he got at what he was doing. Yeah, he, was, he had quite the, the pattern. So after his arrest, Patrick Kearney confessed to somewhere between 35 to 38 murders. He was charged in only 21. It is believed that he's responsible for like way more. I mean, think about yeah. it. A murder a month? And he'd been yeah. murdering for years? For, for a very long time. So to avoid getting what would have absolutely been the death penalty, he agreed to plead guilty to uh, plead guilty and was given 21 life sentences. Uh, unfortunately, there wasn't enough evidence to convict him in the other murders that he confessed to. I wish you could just like take somebody's room and be like, well, I confessed. Yeah. But I mean, I know that's not how it works, but. So, and at that point, I mean, yeah, that's never true. getting out. Yeah. So, Patrick Carney is currently at California State Prison, Mule Creek, and he's been there since 2014. Um, he from uh, you know, he's been moved other places, but he's been yeah, at yeah. um, that along facility. Yes, along with being dubbed the trash bag killer, he was also called the freeway killer, a nickname that he shared with two completely separate serial killers. William Bonin and Randy Kraft. William Bonin was born January 8th, 1947. He had somewhere between 14 to 21 victims. We'll cover him in another episode. Mm-hmm. As well as Randy Kraft, who was born March 19th, 1945. He was also dubbed the scorecard killer and had somewhere between 16 to 67 victims. 
and we'll cover William in another episode as well. But there you go. That is the story, the life, the capture, all of it, of Patrick Carney, the trash bag killer. And it's just amazing at how many times we find that these people have been preying on, you know, seemingly people that won't be easily missed, you know, like people that are living on the street or somebody who's traveling by themselves or a child where, you know, they're preying on the truly vulnerable. And you wonder, you know, how long these things go on before, you know, finally gets caught. I know. And here's the thing, like, I realize logically there are millions of people in the world, but when you hear about these people killing 15, 30, 60, it's like, how, 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 how? Like, how are we, like, how are we not running out of people? Which, like I said, I know logically there are millions of people, but it just seems like, are we gonna, like, how are you killing all these people? Yeah, like, how, how, how is this not being more, you know, obvious? How, how are we, why is it taking us so long to catch up? Yes, yes. <sighs> but there you go. As far as I know, because I know you like this information, Adam, there are no movies based on him yet which that that feels weird too but usually there's always like a you know criminal minds episode i know (laughs) oh but there you go all right so that is the b-side so i just found hold on criminal minds wikipedia it's got a listing for me hold on on criminal never directly mentioned a reference darn it all right I thought we I thought we I thought we'd find one. <laughs> I told you I looked it up. Well, I know, I know. I just... <laughs> oh, well, there doubt, you go. Doubt in the criminal minds is what I was thinking. <laughs> that's the B side. Well, that's another episode, episode eighty. I, I don't know why I, I felt the need to clap, but I know I feel it felt good. I, oh, all right. It's 80, 80 episodes and, you know, roughly 81, 82 weeks is, uh, it's, it's pretty good, uh, success rate, I think. So I would agree. Uh, I'm glad we're getting to do it. It's fun. Uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how long, you know, until, until you become big time. Whatever. Uh, doing there. <laughs> <laughs> of course, if you enjoyed the podcast, tell your friends, share it, share it on the socials, share, it, you know, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook um of course you head on over to all of the streamers you can like and follow us uh there uh, write a review subscribe uh, head over to our website a side b side podcast.square.site to get all the links and also merch or you can buy brook a coffee for when he has to edit all this together which between my interruptings uh and then uh seasonal allergies is always a fun experience so uh, <laughs> she could definitely use the coffee also we've got a youtube and again like adam said all of the photos all the sources are on our website every week after every episode um so you can check them there and we just thank you so much for following along with us and it's always 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 so much fun i mean you know what i'm saying it's fun to be together and to do the podcast the 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 topics are not always fun they're not always fun no um my my side tends to be funner but that's because it's not true crime and true crime rarely has a happy ending 
even if it comes to a justice ending as it did this time. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much. And here's to episode 81. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, Brooke.